Hello, how are you doing? I'm Craig Parkinson. You are listening to the Two Shot Podcast. Sit yourself down, pop the kettle on. We're going to have a nice old chat. Who's it with this week? I'm going to tell you right now. How the devil are you? What, Craig? Two in one day? Well, come on, it's a very special day. You know, this is our very first Two Shot Podcast birthday episodes. You just listened to, maybe maybe you're going the wrong way around, maybe it doesn't matter, there's no right or wrong way. Charlie Cooper was this morning, and now we go to Manchester and sit down with the Reverend himself, Mr John McClaw. Now, um, I'd never met John up until a year ago, while we're talking all things a year. Uh, I was at Kendall Calling Festival and he just finished his set on stage and uh, we went for a drink and uh, having a right good old natter and uh, I approached him to come on the podcast. This was when the podcast was just uh, an idea. I don't think I'd even had the pleasure of meeting producer Griff yet. So yeah, it was very early days. Um, but we got talking, it was a very easy conversation that flowed. Uh, I thought, yeah, we'll have a sit down with John, that'd be fantastic. He's always honest, he's always got an opinion, he's always got something to say. And he's a grafter, and I love him to bits, and I'm so chuffed that he came on. Now, we met in Manchester. Um, myself and producer Griff had had a very busy day recording, if I remember rightly, because it was quite a while ago. And John was late, he was going to a, a house party... Not what you think. Anyway, we talk about that podcast. Him and Ed, the guitarist, they go to people's houses and they do a little acoustic gig in the garden. It's brilliant. And, uh, yeah, John and Ed were late because there was a car crash. Uh, they were coming over from Sheffield, so they got stuck in a, in a load of trouble. Uh, I don't think anybody was too badly injured, which is good news. Anyway, they were a bit late, so it was slightly shorter than what I'd hoped, but still... Always a pleasure to sit down with him. Always a pleasure to talk to him. And I think it's going to be a pleasure for your ears. This is John McClaw, episode 51 of the Birthday Two Shot Podcast. Enjoy, and I shall see you at the end, so to speak. I was, um, I was in the car with my wife the other day and we just finished listening to Death of a King and I was saying imagine going over there to Thailand and recording what 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 made you go over there what what does a band do to go over there what's the what's the well, point is li- it cost or it's, it's cheap Libertines had been there and they're friends of mine and I linked them up with my manager like a few years back they didn't have a manager I says get my fella so anyway they went over there and then they come back we'd been supporting them on tour and they were like oh you've got to come it's mint I've been to Thailand before and it's just a great other thing is if you record your album in your shed in Sheffield in your little cupboard like with what we've got, it gets boring, doesn't it? I've done another album in Sheffield, everyone's like, so what? Whereas the moment you say I've done it in Thailand, people are like, ooh, are they? Have you? So there's a bit of that, like a bit exotic, isn't it? Did you record it over there for first? Or, yeah. yeah we, I mean, we, no, so did you write it over there? Bits. Some, a lot of it, we had ideas for the songs and had it worked out what we were going to do, but bits we wrote over there, yeah. like It's hard, isn't it? Because you don't, I don't want to like, culturally appropriate but equally you want a little little vibe don't you you yeah. know what I mean but because it's a little bit 60s sounding I can't do India because then you're just doing Beatles aren't you <laughs> yeah. and I'd like there's a great nice studio in, in um, 
in India, actually. Up that way, Shimla kind of area. Oh, really? Yeah, up Darjeeling, that sort of way. There's a there's a right nice studio in Hills, but I can't do it. Whereas Beatles never really touched on Orient, did they? So I thought, <laughs> I'm, I'm on safe ground here, you know. <laughs> Well, because we were talking uh, in the summer, weren't we, about what you, what you were studying once? But I want to go back, like to the beginning for you at school. Okay. What was what was what was home life like for you? Because there's you and your brother and who else? Me and my brother, my mum and dad, that's and that's it. it. Yeah. Um, what do your mum and dad do for a living? They both were like uh, they're kind of semi-retired now, but the mental health nurses like look after like mentally you know people with learning disabilities and stuff. Yeah. Um, my brother does a similar thing, and that's kind of family trade, really. I'm the only one who's never done it. Where did the music come from, then? My mum would have club turn, like, she was a singer what in, is a, in a group called uh, The Scorpions. Um, but there were another band called Scorpions, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, Wind of Change. She didn't cover that. No, she no. never covered that. But my dad's, my dad's music man, really. He loves tunes, but my mum's like... She always likes to sing and also so we're always about we're always in house. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, musical house really. And what was school like at primary oh, school? Yeah, a bit naughty. But just typical northern working class stuff. You know what I mean? I mean I went to the pub. My mum didn't. But then she did at weekend and then like Yeah, just typical like obvious northern no like stereotypical northern kind of working class thing really uh, and what's the age difference between you and your brother four year so did you go to the same school yeah same yeah. school he followed me all the way through like and that but he's like my best mate he's a top lad you know he's a bit of a legend in chef bit of a like a bit of a boy around town yeah uh, but it's just me and him and like like all brothers do we scraps and make up all that and i yeah. could i could punch him but if anybody else does i'd you'd want to kill him like um but yeah and i think like that's why oasis had such a big impact because where we live Around where all my family lived, there were loads of Jamaicans. I was into reggae and dancehall and that growing up and all that. But when I got to like 12, 13, Oasis come out and that just changed everything. So we're like, how about you talk a bit like we do and a bit scummy like we are and you scrap with your brother like I do. And tunes are mega. I'll have a bit of that. Like, so yeah, got well into Oasis and that through that, you know, you're, you're off, aren't you? And when did the, So when did the music thing really come in that you thought, actually, I'm going to try and have a career of this? Oh, actually doing it myself, not till like, after school, because Eddie, who was a guitarist, he were always in bands at school. And what were you doing in secondary school then? What was just, your passion there? Or did you just sort of kind of fuck school lasses. off a bit? Lasses. Um, <laughs> I, I did until right at the end, and then I got dead into it. And, like, my GCSEs are terrible, but my A-levels are, like, all A's. And I got, I got it dead into, like, being clever. And I would never, I were always a bit, I had this one teacher who like got hold of me and he's like, if you don't, you're a clever lad, you, but you're going to end up in a bad place if you don't like sort yourself out. So a bit of a tour rag. And then I proper got into it and I went to uni, did an history degree. What were you, do, what were you doing in your history degree? Um, I did the decolonisation of the British Empire. So see, see I, I know that for people who are listening, but I just wanted to hear it That's why I again. loved Indian summers. Yeah, that's yeah. what I did on my dissertation. I did that subject, like, and all that period. Is what I studied and what I wrote my dissertation on. It was a bit geeky, but I loved that programme for that reason. What were you hoping to achieve with that? Or was it just something you just thought, I've got a real passion for this, I'm really interested in it, or do you not think that far ahead? I kind of fancied writing books about history, really. That's what I always envisioned. Not, not even that. I think a lot of people go to you and don't, they're thinking, I'm going to be this. And I just did it because I really wanted to know about all history at world and all that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I just like... I'd I, I enjoyed it immensely, but I always had. A, I was starting to do music then, and I had it back in my mind doing music. And by end, I ended up like working in a factory and in a call center, and not really doing out with my degree. I'd got my degree, and it was there, but I never for a couple of years. I never did out with it. It was just 
all just working factory or working call centre because I don't have to care about this job. I can yeah. just sort of toss it off and just fuck Just take, take the money and run type a of bit, thing. Yeah, just used, I, used to, I used to work for Nobby Junior and I used to just get like my work on this computer and then like send it on this internal system to like someone in Norwich. And then, or bury it. In, I used to. This is awful. This, but I used to bury people's insurance companies in system, and then just make out I'd done it all, and like not do any work all day. I were awful, really. That's like when I used to have a paper round when I was a kid, and there used to be a penny a paper, yeah. and I used to just get loads delivered. The just, just dump them in the woods, it. or leave. I used to have a garage yeah. like full of. Me them. and my dad used to do that, but then they used to start sending this bloke round. But we knew what what road you used to check up on you on. So we'd just deliver it to that one road, and then just lob cart rest <laughs> off to woods like no drama. <laughs> So when did when did when did the band first start for and what was its first incarnation? We had a band called Jude and Suki. And who was that? You and me, Eddie, Laura, my wife, Cheryl, who's my cousin. Um, like, no, she's not my cousin. She's like that Peter K cousin, you know that your man's <laughs> friend's daughter, uh, friend of the family. Alex from Arctic Monkeys, Elders, who were drummer. Uh, our guitarist Eddie might possibly be out there. I'm just worried that he's going to be on his own. Should we open the door? Maybe. Maybe. Just don't. So we can just cut all this out. That'd be all right. Terrible man. What is it? This. I don't know. Fucking awful. Rock bitch in it. Awful. All of it. Some of the. There was a feed coming through here before. My God. Griff, when even if you were fifteen, you'd be embarrassed about writing that and putting it out. Some right shit about it. (laughs) Yeah. Have a look. You got it? Is he an eye? Yeah. Have you met Craig, Eddie? No. Just pull up a few Eddie Hoods, sorry. It's all right, come and sit down. Sorry, sorry, what were we saying? The more uh, the merrier. I think we were talking about the first incarnation about oh, how, yeah, so the, how, how you're yeah, met and got me, together. Me, Eddie, my wife, Laura, but she wasn't my wife at the time. We, we both went out with other people. Cheryl, who was my cousin, but not really my cousin. Alex, who was in Arctic Monkeys. Matt Elders, who was in Arctic Monkeys. A lad called, what he called, drummer, Paul Olden. No, he was bass player, and then there was a lad called Matt drumming. But we were absolutely bobber, like, terrible. <laughs> what kind of stuff were you like, doing? White funk. Like, <laughs> white funk. Shit, white funk. Yeah, like rape bad. But like trying to be a bit political and all. <laughs> and then we had this other band. Like then we got into like realised that we couldn't be that funky, so we got into like punk funk. You know what I mean? Like Gang of Four and stuff. We started to get a bit more credible. Got a bit more. Better taste in music. We had this band called 1984, which were just me and Eddie. It's like called Carl Kelly and a lad called Chalky. And that were a bit of a mad group. Um, Carl were an interesting fellow. We once did a gig with Arctic Monkeys in their practice room and a big fight happened and Carl were a raster and had this big gold tooth and it got hit out. He got knocked unconscious by this pool cue. There's a monkey song when he's on about fighting with pool cues in your hand and that's what he's on about. Right, and yeah. My memory of Carl is just getting him getting absolutely knocked unconscious with his pool cue, which were a bit mad. But 1984 were better, so there were Jude and Suki, rubbish. 1984, better, still not perfect. And then I started to do Rev thing, kind of like like me, and then like me and Eddie, and then just my mates had come down to the studio. Was that just something that just came into you? Yeah, just, just a new thing I'd got going. And a new, a new... Like I'd got... Andy from Monkeys had give me this nickname, ready like, oh, you're the Reverend. He used to call me the Reverend. And then it kind of spread a bit. And then I just started doing tunes with like all my mates used to come down to my studio where I were. And that's kind of how it was born, really. It was more of a studio thing than a band at first. And then subsequently, it just 
took on a life of its own, and here we are. And how was it when you first started as Reverend the Makers, and you were we were unsigned? How how did you get to be the first just, signed band? We just band? put some tunes on the internet, and it kind of I'd have got a bit of a rep already in Sheffield, and Monkeys thing were happening, and. It was just an exciting time for Is Sheffield. It when they were starting to sort of blow up as well? Yeah, they were kind of starting to play big, starting to like, you know, actually get real fans rather than just the mates coming to watch them and stuff. And we just whacked some tunes on the internet and a similar thing kind of happened. And it, then there were another band, Milburn, and another band, Bromage Jacket, Little Man Tate, Long Blondes. And it just, there was this scene happening and everyone were into tunes at the time. Yeah. And um, it just kind of went went from there, really. And we didn't play, everyone else were gigging, but we just got us some tunes on the internet. But... Everyone loved like idea where this project had started, so we did a gig and it was busy straight away. Right, and from there it just kind of flowered after that. Went a bit mad for a bit, you know. And who was the who first signed you? Uh, Wall of Sound, Mark Jones, they call him. They were like an like a dance label, released like loads of mad stuff like over years, like Wise Guys and Roiksop and all that right. sort of stuff. And he, he loved us because I think he he's dead into that Sheffield electro thing. You know, Sheffield's home of British electronica, isn't it? Really? Yeah. Cabaret Voltaire and all them, and he loves that side of our music. And I suppose that's what made us stand out, stand out from Monkeys and Milburn and the other bands who were, they were about guitars, where we were about guitars and synths a little bit. And yeah. It was a bit of a different thing. And yeah, we signed to them and made us album, and obviously then Heavyweight happened, and that sort of changed everything, really. And were you still signed with them when that happened? When yeah. Around yeah, the state of things? Yeah, we, we were already popular before they signed us. We were doing a thousand in his hometown, no problem. And there were loads of labels after us, but a lot of labels wanted us to like just be Arctic Monkeys, you know. Yeah. That shit. I'd, like I love them, but I don't want to be them. I'd never wanted to be them. Like I no. always wanted to do my own thing, and I still do my own thing. And that's why I, I, we could have got more money, and probably been more successful. But it's not. I don't know. It's a bit shallow, that isn't it? You know what I mean? Like I don't just want to copy people. I want to be my own man because, like, Alex were in my band. I weren't in his band. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah. I don't want to like copy what he's doing. I love him and I think he's amazing. But And they, they do what they do and that's that's Yeah, great. And he's, he's amazing at it, you know. And like, sometimes I think, oh, it'd be amazing to be as popular as him. And then other times I think, well, I can go to my mum's for my Sunday dinner. <laughs> like, without anybody giving up. I get a bit of grief. Don't yeah. Me? Obviously, I get a bit of grief, but not compared to what he gets. And then, Equally, I can make a living. I've done all right. I've got a nice house. I think, yeah, I'm all right. It's good, you know. It's, life's all right. And you're still happy and still being creative, I suppose. Yeah, and it's uh, for whatever reason, a lot of bands who come out in our time frame are dead. They're gone. They're finished. I don't know what's happened to them. And we just seem to got as biggest show in November we've ever done in Manchester. You know, yeah. it's, it's albums we've just released second highest we've ever had after the first one, obviously. But it just seems to be getting. Like if all more popular, you know, which is mad in it, considering we've been doing it twelve years. Yeah, but great, you know. And also, there's so many bands though that you like. What we're talking about? Oh well, they they sound like them. They're the mm. new that, mm. or they're the new this. Where the, the the ones that really make it and carry on, they're them. They're their sound. Even yeah. if they reinvent their yeah. sound, like I think you you guys. Yeah, have we done. just we just do what we do, you know. And I think like. I quite like them artists who just have always ploughed their own furrow, you know what I mean? I think, is that the right word? Plough, do you, can you, do you, yeah. do you do? Plough your furrow, yeah. yeah. That's what I've been doing, ploughing my furrow, yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, man, I just, you know, long may it continue, we get to like, not have to get up and, which in Sheffield's a big thing, to not have to get up and go to work on a Monday morning. Yeah. Like, our Chris is going to work, he works at hospital, our Tommy works on bins, like they're texting me like, oh, I'm at work and all that, and I'm like laid in bed and I think, I'm blessed, aren't I? 
Well, it's funny because usually on this podcast uh, we always have a lot of actors and then yeah. because we're in 2018 now, we're doing lots of sort of creative types. Yeah. And I was talking to my wife and she's at a bit of a crossroads with her acting at the okay. moment. And she's... What what actors you you might may, may or may not know what yeah. actors don't have they don't have any control really they can't just get up and and write a song and, and go and, yeah, and go and record on it a, on a you're, role, you're, right? you're you're at the beck and call of everybody else and you go God I wish I could have like a musician's mm. life because even if nothing's happening you can still be creative within yourself I, I see it a bit because me me wife's father was a West End actor and his son were also a West End actor like musical theatre and all right. That. It's not a world I know anything about, but equally, like they can, they're like they. He's giving it up now, my father-in-law. But like you know, like months and months without a role, and he's yeah. like thinking, is it ever going to come again? You know, the problem we have as a musician is there's no like long-term security. So if band goes on its arse in one, two, four, five years, all right, I've got to have enough money to blag it for a couple of years, but then I'd have to get a job. So you know, there's no pension, none of that. Well, it's the same as an actor, you know what I mean? It? So you know. really, like you just kind of, and I like that. I'll tell you why I like it because I feel challenged to create more. Good art, you know yeah, what I mean? I yeah, feel yeah. Like, like, all right, well, like I'm into it because I'm not, re- I'm not dependent on anybody. It's just me. Yeah. I, I, oh, me, well, me and him, and me and Eddie and Laura, or me and my band, whatever. Yeah. But I don't have to like, and like you say, you're not at anyone's beck and call. I think I can just do it off my own hustle. And also, you, if you write a song, you don't have to give it to someone and go. Actually, well, John, I don't like this lyric. Can no. you change that? No. No. Whereas you know something, if if we write something, then it's got to go through about twenty different people who maybe yeah, don't even we, know we what don't they're doing. Sign record deals that where record labels telling us like, no, our record labels we've got now we've released. This is a fourth album we've just released for you. They're not telling me like take that song off your album. You know what I mean? They just yeah. like right, you're releasing it. That's it. That's it. And I like that because I think like I sometimes think like a moderate level of success is best because you ain't got that pressure of staying at top. Yeah. And he, but equally, you can make a living from it. So you're just in middle. So probably the same way acting to some degree. If you get yeah. like plenty parts, you're doing interesting stuff, you're doing good roles, but you're still making a couple of quid. I reckon you're doing all right, aren't you? Well, you it's the thing I mean? about what you were saying before. You know, you've got your people texting you going, I'm at work. Like what we do, yeah. it ceases to become work, even though we're grafting and we're, we're earning Absolutely. money. But it's not work because we love what we do. And I think it's always relative and all like... In your head, you could, all right, it'd be nice to be like George Clooney, wouldn't it? But No. Right. Me, me? Yeah. No. All right. But, <laughs> so let's say you were that famous. All right, on one hand, mega. Yeah. But on a on flip of that, you can go and have a pint around town. Yeah. Like, people know you're off at telly and off at films. Of course they do. But equally, like, you can live your life, can't you? Yeah. And you can, you can to some degree, choose what you do. Whereas, I think if you're like Tom Cruise, you've got to do action movies, won't you? You yeah. know what I mean? Or if you if you're... Coldplay, you've got to play in a football stadium. And you've got to keep on going at that level, otherwise someone's going to be disappointed yeah, or someone's going to think that, oh, well, they're not as good as what they used to be because they're not doing that and anymore. And that's it. You're almost like working to order then. Like musicians get to this thing where they're like writing to order. I've got to maintain my status. Yeah. You know what I mean? Whereas I've, I'm like thinking, well, I'll just do what I want. <laughs> Make it up to go along. Somebody will like into it. And they do. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, of course. So, like, happy days. Because after this, um, you're going to do another house party, aren't yeah, you? We're playing so, in Middleton tonight, me and Ed. Uh, yeah. How did all that come about? Just, when did that start? I don't, I don't know. We've always played daft gigs. I go outside with guitar after dark shows. So I'm, this time I'm asking buskers, if you're coming to the gig, I've got a guitar. Let me know and you can jump up and play my guitar outside after with me. And like, it's just something a bit different, isn't it? Like, yeah. I think in days of social media and that, Mystique's gone. You can't be like Brian Jones, like levitating somewhere. You've got so the only thing you can do is go other way and be like hyper real. 
Yeah. Do you know, understand what I mean? Like, I'll come to your house or stand in your front room. But I think they do appre- the fans really appreciate that, I must admit. They do, but there's a lot of nutters. They either want to fight you or fuck you. You know what, what I mean? Have you ever any, any bad stories? Yeah, some shockers, yeah. Went Go to on. Wales, goes all the way to Wales. It's like a blowing a gale. Fucking yeah. terrible weather. The idea is, you're going to win a gig. Let's say you're a fan, right? You're going to win a gig, and then you're going to get all your mates in your house, and we're gonna, you're going to ram it, and then I'm going to turn up, and they're all going to love it. Mega, 30, 40 nutters, smash your house up, go home. I don't do pubs. People are like, when you play me pub, I'm like, I'm not doing house gigs because I'm struggling for a gig. I'm doing it because it's interesting. Yeah. So I don't do boozers. I don't do weddings. I've got a few rules, right, but I don't do. Turn up in Wales, it's a gale. My mate's driving me around in like a, like a camper van, like a Breaking Bad thing. Yeah. So I'm just sat on back bed smoking my bud and he drives me about. We're in this gale, gets to Cardiff, meeting this kid who's won the house gig, right, who said, I'll, I'll put house gig on. So I meets him, and he's disabled. So I thought, I don't want to be a knobhead to him, but because he's disabled, you know what I mean? I'm not, I'm not an arsehole. So he technically went, I went, come on, follow me. So follows him into a pub. I'm thinking, no, come on, mate. Uh. You know I don't do boozers. So he sits down, he's like, what do you want to drink? I'm like, oh, fucking Jack and Coke, pal. Anyway, he comes back, I'm like, listen, mate, not being funny. Why are we in a boozer? Where's everybody else? He's like, oh, there's nobody else. What? He says, what do you fucking mean? There's nobody else. He says, I just love your lyrics and your poems. I just wanted to spend some time with you. <laughs> Fuck that. Out at back door. Like a yard, and like a terraced, terraced house yard, like Coronation yeah. Street yard. Yeah. Me and me, me, shinned up wall, off at back fence, fucked off back to Sheffield. Oh, my God. Don't want God. it, do you? No. But, you know, you like, I think you, you meet all kinds of humanity doing this. I did one in, I, did, I used to do two a night at one bit. I've done one in Whitehaven. End terrace on this cliff overlooking the sea in Whitehaven and the nutters. Some, they're all crowd surfing in the living room. Somebody's gone through the front window. Coppers have turned up in like Black Mariah. We're like, fuck this. <laughs> Off, right? Then we go to the second gig in Ulverston. Rape pad. Proper posh. I think they got like an indoor pool or something. Baking their own fucking bread. <laughs> in the same night, you know what I mean? Like, I had a proper insight into like British class system. I love it because I think you're just meeting every kind of person, aren't you? you yeah. Know? So happy days, and they carry on now. You're still going to do. You're going to stop those now before you go on tour. I keep them going a little bit because the way I look at it is, as media's clogged up, we like Chris and Kem off fucking Love Island. Yeah, our media's chock full of bollocks. It's at a point where real music. I don't mean real music. I don't mean you have to play guitar by real music. I mean people who are talented, who yeah. are genuinely talented, and, doing and care art, and care, and are doing artistic things and trying to push the music a bit. Becoming marginalised. So my thing is, there's a lot of people from 90s or 80s musicians who cannot get their head around the new reality and therefore are gone. Yeah. Or even from noughties, they can't get their head around how it's not the same anymore. You can't just sit on your arse, make a record every two years and everything will be fine. You've got to be interested and in doing it and tweeting and all that bollocks, right? So my thing is, like, if I play an house gig in, like, fucking Wigan, they're talking about it for, like, to a year after yeah. when Ref come round to his house it was mega and, and you get a lot of love in arts of people then and I think that goes somewhere to explaining why as gigs are getting bigger not smaller yeah you know what I mean 12 years in when, do you know what I mean because it's a bit weird it doesn't really happen everybody's record sales good aren't shit and we just kind of cruise on like mid-table every season and I think that's why really because we just try and do interesting shit yeah so happy days, and because you you are a close band, obviously because your wife's in the band yeah, and all yeah. that. What happens when is there any fallouts in the band? And I what, can what, be a rape prick. Eddie will tell you. Is that true, prick, Eddie? Eddie? Can I be a prick? Well, you know. Yeah, <laughs> I used to be a rape knob, like a bit too like 
You know what I mean? Like, just on one all the time. Yeah. I've calmed down a lot now. It was a bit weird for a while, because when we got together, band, me and Laura weren't together. I had a girlfriend, she had a boyfriend. And we split up with his partners, and we got together. And then we split up, and I went back out with my ex. But I didn't want to sack her out at bangs. I'm not like a fucking sexist pig or all. You know what I mean? I thought, yeah, yeah all right. She's a good musician. I can't sack her. That's I'm not a knobhead. You're not, like, you know one of them, like, you're not shagging me, so you're sacked. That's, yeah. That doesn't work, does it? <laughs> no. So she was, she was still in band, but they used to call it, like, Rev Enders, because it were dead dramatic, you know what I mean? <laughs> we were still basically in love with each other, you know yeah. what I mean? So, but then we got back together, got married, got two boys. Me and him even get on now. And I've, been, I've known Eddie <laughs> since I was 11, right? And did you meet at school? From completely other ends at City. Now, right. you can listen and get a vibe off us and make out which end, who's from what end. I can already tell anyway, right. it's easy. See what I mean, right? But... He's had a wash. Right, there you go, right? <laughs> Opposites attract and we just we just clicked and we've been good pals all the way through and it's me and him who do it all, really. Yeah. Laura contributes and, and Joe as bass player and as drummer, of course, but me and Eddie are kind of engine room at band, really, and always have been and it just works. You know, and I, I feel like we could make fucking 20 records. I don't feel like we've made his best one yet. And which is a good place to be. It's in. a great place to be, isn't it? You, mm. you, when you finish an album, though, do you go, yeah, of course you're happy with it because you're putting out, but do you ever go, when you listen back to it, maybe a few months later, you go, yeah, I would have changed that. No, not last two. Last no. two were as good as anything anybody's done for a long time. So, I, I agree. The, the, the fourth one's a bit shit, and the reason it's a bit shit is because we're trying dead hard to make some music that we th- we thought at the time would get on the radio, which is not a reason to make music. Because you were striving for different yeah, things at that time. Yeah, I don't like that fourth album. It's a bit tri-hard, whereas last two albums, nobody's making records as good as that, and that's a very arrogant thing to say, but it's true, man. I think there is, the, the problem we have is not that people don't like the last two records, it's getting them to listen to the last two records, and once they hear it, they love it. Yeah, it's just how do you, and that takes time. That takes time. It has to. Oh fuck, that's right. Good. Have you heard this? Have you heard that? And it's just that, and it's it's working. It's bit by bit. Every tour's bigger. This album goes higher in charts than the last one. Just takes a minute, but I'm cool with that. I'm not starving. I'm everything's nice. You yeah. know what I mean? And I think you're still happy. You're still enjoying what you're doing. Absolutely. You know, and it, it, in between that, you get to do interesting things. We're doing some music for a film. I'm making a TV series. Like we're gonna we're gonna do lots of other interesting shit, and you can you can mess about and go because I was gonna say, I was gonna say if you weren't doing this, what would you be doing? But obviously, you just want to be creative in any aspects. Books, I think I'm writing a novel and all. Oh yeah, yeah, same future, like a bit of a fictional kind of political thing. It's good, but might be bollocks. But you know, I'm in a position where if I, I can do certain things, and a certain amount of people are always going to be into it. Yeah. So there's an that gives you confidence, and it gives you an enormous amount of freedom. And I think that's when people do the best. You know, there's this like, oh, you've got to suffer for your art thing. Have you fuck? You've got to be like happy as fuck, like be, I've been free. That's all you've got to be. Do you know what I mean? All this kind of, you've got to be a miserable bastard's bollocks, I think, really. John, that was fucking brilliant. Cheers, mate. And our last birthday episode is done. John McClaw, what an absolute pleasure to spend time with the Reverend. Um, I hope you enjoyed listening to it. I hope you enjoyed listening to Charlie and to John. And in fact, to the year's worth of guests uh, and podcast episodes that that we've brought you this year. Um, It's been an incredible experience. I'm not going to waffle on. I think I did enough of that at the beginning of Charlie's. Um, But look, thanks for listening, for downloading, supporting, subscribing. The Patreon backers who who give us a bit of money 
every month to support the podcast. If you've liked the podcast that we've been putting out for the past year, just think, if everybody who downloaded gave one pound, we would be able to carry on making podcasts for quite a long time. If you fancy getting in touch, because we are a truly independent podcast, we haven't got sponsors, we're not part of a bigger network, we do this all off our own back, but if everybody gave a pound, well, just think, drop us a message, drop us an email, you know we're on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at Two Shot Pod, and our email is twoshotpod at gmail.com. Here's a bit of other news, look, you know I've been going for a year, and the year has been fantastic, but we're going to take a little summer break just to rest our mouths, rest our ears. You can go back over the back catalogue of the year, go listen to another favourite one if you want, but we will be back after summer. We're going to start recording again in August, so not that long. And you never know, there might be some surprise episodes coming your way very soon. So look, a huge thank you to everybody. And until, well... Until August or so. I've been Craig Parkinson. He's been producer Griff, the brilliant producer Griff. And this has been the Two Shot Podcast. Take care, have a lovely summer, and I'll see you in a bit. I'm just waiting for some music to start. Shot Podcast is presented by me, Craig Parkinson, recorded and produced by Thomas Griffin for Splicing Block. Our music, our brilliant music, is courtesy of Then Thickens. Cheers.